Internet. True. Let's go. Welcome to the show. I hope everyone's having a great week. I am happy to have you listening to the show. A couple notes before we begin. First off, as always, there's tons of bonus content on Patreon. If you're a fan of the show, please consider showing your support with a monthly pledge. You can do that for as little as a dollar a month. Pretty great deal, $12 a year, and for that you get tons of bonus content. Also, I started working on a website for this show, the internet says it's true.com, and it's horrible. I know nothing about web design, and even with all the tools to make it easier, it's just horrible at this point. So go there and laugh at how bad it is. The internet says it's true.com. I'm working on it, I promise. Last week's topic was an interesting but difficult one. I promise this week's will be a little more upbeat. Normally on this podcast, someone tells me something they've recently learned from the internet, but this week is a little different. This week, someone called in with a question. Here it is from, well, it's anonymous. So here it is from John Doe. Hey, Michael, big fan of the podcast. Curious to know, what is the origin of fake names like John and Jane Doe? Man, that is a great question. I have no idea. I assume there's an answer on the internet, so I will look. That way, none of you have to. Yikes. Okay, this one may not be as cut and dry as some of our other episodes. Hmm. All right, let's start this with a story. In the Pima County Cemetery in Tucson, Arizona, four small gravestones marked a single grave of four unknown people. They were labeled John Doe and Jane Doe, followed by a number. One of the four was labeled Jane Doe 19. It was the body of a woman who had been found by a homeless man in a culvert in the nearby suburb of Marana in 1987. The medical examiner deduced the height, weight, approximate age, and manner of death of the person. She had been shot five times with a 22 caliber firearm. The police tried to identify the victim, even releasing details to the public but every time they had a match, it was excluded based on characteristics that didn't line up with the profile. After two years of trying, she was buried as Jane Doe 19 in 1989. Her gravesite remained that way for 27 years until the aunt and uncle of a teenage girl named Deanna Criswell learned that she'd been missing. Her father had long been estranged from the family and had reconnected with them recently. His daughter, a frequent runaway, had been missing and the rest of the family was just now learning about it. At this point, it was 2014, so there was better science to match unknown decedents to missing person cases and they used facial recognition from the remains, along with DNA. This info had been stored in the database of the Doe Network, a nonprofit organization that helps identify missing persons. They compared the DNA with that of family members and found that it was a match. February 11, 2015, 27 years after she died, the small stone was changed from Jane Doe 19 to Deanna L. Criswell. We hear the name Jane Doe or John Doe and instantly know that it means one of a few possibilities. It could be a placeholder to represent a hypothetical generic person like a placeholder name, It could be used in situations in which someone wishes or needs to remain anonymous, or it could be used to identify someone whose identity is unknown, whether they're living or not. 
And the names are old. We know that they're at least 187 years old because of an old English song which ridicules them. Here are the lyrics. Two giants live in Britain's land, John Doe and Richard Rowe, who always travel hand in hand. John Doe and Richard Rowe, their fee-faw-fums an ancient plan to smell the purse of an Englishman, and ecod they'll suck it all they can, John Doe and Richard Rowe. I don't know what ecod means. Uh, maybe someone can write in and tell me. So those were lyrics from 1834, but it goes back even further than that. The reason those were terms in England at the time was due to the British legal system. In land disputes, John Doe and Richard Rowe were written into British law for the sake of arguing the case. John Doe would be used as a fictitious landowner when the landowner wasn't known. Richard Rowe was used as a fictitious defendant in those cases. Those terms were commonly used to argue property disputes until 1833. With that said, the term John Doe still exists in the British legal system because it's used in what's called a John Doe order or John Doe injunction. These are for when an unknown person has confidential information and is threatening to disclose it. Now, they don't call the person John Doe in England like they do in American courts, but the order is called the John Doe order. So the meaning of John Doe as a generic placeholder name was in use well before 1833 in Britain. But where did it come from? We'll explore that after a quick break. Do you like jokes? How about stories? What about magic tricks? If you said yes to any of those, you'll love my weekly live stream show, Joke Story Trick Live. Every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, we gather to tell listener jokes, do magic, even learn magic, and bring on a special guest to tell a story. We've had everyone from a sitting U.S. congressman to television stars to WWE wrestlers. It's always a great time, and it's a free show. Just go to jokestorytrick.com to watch past episodes or tune in every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. That's jokestorytrick.com. I hope to see you there. I'm excited to be partnered with this company because it's a product that I've used and loved for years. Scotty Vest makes gear that looks great and is packed with pockets. And as much as I travel, that's always been a huge perk. But even on years like this one where I don't travel as much, my Scotty Vest fleece is just as useful because I'm always carrying so much stuff with me. My wallet, my phones, my keys, my mask, and there's a pocket for everything. Not only that, they now have an awesome new face mask that allows you to even use a straw while wearing it. Go to scottyvest.com, that's S-C-O-T-T-E-V-E-S-T.com, and use my promo code, tell me, all one word, for 15% off your order. That's scottyvest.com, and enter promo code, tell me. If you're a fan of this show, my other show, Joke Story Trick, or my comedy magic career in general, you should consider supporting me by joining my Patreon. I work hard to make sure that there's always fresh content on there, including bonus footage, exclusive videos, and free stuff like stickers, balloons, drink koozies, and more. You can join for as little as a dollar a month and can leave at any time. I consider the folks over at Patreon my most loyal and true fans, and I would love to see you there too. Just go to patreon.com slash michaelkent and choose what level of membership is best for you. You can pledge $1, $5, or $10 and get more and more bonuses the more you pledge. Once again, that's patreon.com slash Michael Kent. 
It turns out it's a really difficult task to find exactly where John Doe comes from. We know that John Doe and Richard Rowe were used to settle land disputes in England, and that use could possibly date back to as early as King Edward III. So now we're talking about the 14th century. Around the internet, there are multiple citations of John Doe and Richard Rowe being used during King Edward III's reign, which was 1327 to 1377, but I've yet to see a source or a reason for that. What I did find a source for was a 1642 Latin document which uses John Doe and Richard Rue, which is describing a monetary dispute of 24 pounds. This still doesn't explain where they came from. We know that John and Richard were very common first names in England at the time, and Roe and Doe, or Rue and Doe, rhyme. They could have been the surnames of someone the lawyer knew. They also could have been named after animals. Doe and Roe are both terms to describe deer, though I don't know they would have been called Doe and Rue. That would have screwed up that Sound of Music song, Do a Deer, a Female Deer. Not sure anyone's singing that one. As far as Jane Doe, it's just the female version of John Doe and came much later. Jane was chosen because it sounds like John and clearly represents a female. Unfortunately, we just don't know where this came from. Experts don't know why those two names were picked. But the idea of using a placeholder name didn't start with old John and Richard. Medieval English law used John Noakes, N-O-A-K-E-S, or John Stiles to mean the same thing. Even ancient Rome had generic name placeholders. They used Numerius Negidius, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, and Aulus Agerius. Those are names that literally translate to, I refuse to pay and I set in motion for a defendant and a plaintiff. For this reason, we sometimes still see the initials NN used when identity is unknown. That stands for Numerius Negidius. Negidius? I've never studied Latin. I don't know. Here in America, we're all familiar with one very common use of the name Roe. In 1969, Norma McCorvey became pregnant with her third child in Texas and wished to have an abortion. The legal case that became her fight for that right protected her identity and she became immortalized as Jane Roe in the historic legal case Roe v. Wade. So from what we've learned, we know that the term Roe and Roe v. Wade possibly dates back to settling land disputes in 14th century England. I wish that I could give a more definitive answer as to why those two names were chosen, but as much as language changes over time, I think it's fascinating that the original meaning of John Doe has barely changed. When we use that term, we could be using a term that a lawyer came up with randomly one day in the 1300s. It's time for the part of the podcast where I call a friend and see if they already know what we just learned. Today, we're calling Wise Otero. Wise is the host of the podcast Stuck in My Mind, and I'm happy to have him on today. Hey, what's going on? Hey, Wise. Good to see you. I, uh, hey, Mike, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I did your podcast uh, a few weeks ago, and I believe that's coming out this week, right? Yes, it is. I actually have it, uh, I think, Tuesday. Awesome. Yes. So Wise Otero is the host of the Stuck in My Mind podcast. Tell people a little bit about what that podcast is. I just have a conversation with people and um, we just try to uh, 
try to have uh, I just try to have a good time and if someone can pick up something from the conversation because usually usually they have an interesting story to share or anything positive I just want to put positive content out, content out so just the, just some pretty good conversations man, with some great people sounds great man well I brought you on the podcast. You don't know what the topic is. That's the way I do it this way. Uh, you know, it's it's fun for the first question and it comes out of left field for everyone. So there are stakes. Uh, they're not major. But for this first question, if you get it right, I will do all the laundry on my bedroom floor, which is a big deal. Okay. Like right now, when this is over, <laughs> I will go do all the laundry. If you get it wrong, I will leave that laundry for my wife to do. So okay. the stakes on this could be, you know, an argument at home. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, here's the question. Number one, which one of these explanations is the true one about the origin of the name John Doe? So we're talking about where the name John Doe came from. And one of these three explanations is true. A, it's named after a Korean man with that name who had a court case after moving to America. B. It's a pseudonym that Donald Trump used to call into talk shows in the 90s. C, they were placeholder names created for arguing in court in Old England. I would go with C. You would be correct. They were old placeholder names for arguing land disputes in England. However, I will say the first one about the Korean man with the, with the name John Doe is, is true. It's a true story from like... <laughs> it, it's a story from like uh, 10 years ago. There was a Korean man in America with the name John Doe who was having a heck of a time doing normal everyday stuff like renting an apartment and getting on airplanes because his name was literally John Doe. John uh, Doe. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> pretty interesting. He had to have it changed. So I will, when we're done, you got that right. So I will go and do all the laundry on my bedroom floor. Question two. For, All right. <laughs> yeah, right? It's, it's a big deal. Score one for the wife. Score that's, one for the wife. That's right. For this question, <laughs> if you get it right, I have to tell you my favorite guilty pleasure music, like music that I'm embarrassed to admit that I love. If you get it wrong, you have to tell me yours. Which one of these? Uh, okay. <laughs> do you have one in mind? Do you know what, what you would say? Uh, guilty pleasure song? Yeah, don't um, tell me what it is unless, unless you have to, but you have one ready? Yeah. Okay, you do. All right, good. Yeah, I kind of. Which one of these is not a common way to refer to fictitious placeholder people? Like, which one of these isn't, uh, you know, sort of just like a generic placeholder name? A, John Q. Public. B, Alice and Bob. C, Eric and Don Jr. This one's C. a little bit more <laughs> difficult, which is not a common way. And what, what, was, what was your answer? C. C, Eric and Don Jr., you are correct. Uh, the hard one here was that no one's ever heard of Alice and Bob, <laughs> but it is used uh, often in cryptography. So when people are figuring out like code breaking and they add yeah. fictional characters in discussions about like cryptographical systems or in like code breaking, they use Alice and Bob for A and B, like person A, person B. It's common to use okay. Alice and Bob. I just learned this. So you got that right, which means I have to tell you my favorite guilty pleasure music, and I have a couple. One uh, is Bjork. I like Bjork. I'm not, I'm not proud of saying it because I, maybe I could be proud of it. It's not a big deal. 
The other one is the B-52s. And my wife makes fun of me because she doesn't like the B-52s. Well, I like the B-52s, so. Yeah, uh, they make me, like, bop my head no matter when they're on. Like, I will always love listening to the B-52s. And my wife's like, oh, this again. We have to listen to this again. So, <laughs> All right, question three. If you get this one right, I'll send you a Tell Me What to Google sticker in the mail which uh, I've okay. got 200 of these left, and the show isn't called Tell Me What to Google anymore. I changed the, the name of the show, so these are obsolete and maybe worth something one day. If you get oh, it those, wrong... those are the classics. Man. Yeah. Those are classics. So. Yeah, they'll go on eBay for literally <laughs> dozens of pennies. Uh, <laughs> if you get it wrong, you have to send me some sort of stuck-in-my-mind merch. If you don't have any, you just have to promise to when you do. Okay. It's thought that the John in John Doe was chosen because John was a very popular name in England at the time. Which one of these is currently the most popular baby boy name in the UK? So here's your three choices. A, Oliver. B, Sam. C, Gregory. This one's difficult. Oliver, Sam, or Gregory. Yeah. Oh, man, that's a pretty good... Mm. Yeah, this one's tough. All right, um, let's go with Gregory. Oh, I'm sorry. The correct answer in this one was Oliver. Uh, I wouldn't have known this either uh, if I hadn't looked it up. Uh, the correct answer is Oliver. So whenever you, if you have some stuck in my mind oh, merch, I, I have, I have, I have a shirt for you. Okay, awesome, you. awesome. So I've won something. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> we, now I will say there, there was a um, a dispute on this one. Like anything on the internet, the top name is different based on the source. So if you look different places, um, a lot of places name the top UK name as Muhammad. So um, and apparently it looks like over the last few years. Muhammad and Oliver have been going back and forth as the the most popular name in the UK. Um, I think it also has to do with like what parts of the UK, because it said Oliver was the most popular name in England and Wales, but it didn't mention like Northern Ireland or Scotland. So I don't know. Mm. All right. Question number four. For this question, if you get it wrong, you have to work in a phrase of my choice in your next podcast. If you get it right, I have to work in that same phrase. So here's the phrase. The phrase will okay. be hot potato. So if you get this question <laughs> wrong, your next podcast, somewhere in the podcast, has to include the words hot potato in there somewhere. Do you agree? The next release or just the next one I record? The next one you record. Yeah, okay. I, I wouldn't make you go back and edit something that's already recorded. Yeah, that way you can, you can, <laughs> you can work it in in natural conversation somehow. And I'll do the same if, if you get it right. All right. Okay. This one's kind of another difficult one. In Germany, they do not use John Doe as a generic placeholder name. Which one of these is the German version of John Doe? A, <laughs> I know, there's no way. How would we know this? A, Heinz Human, B, Max Musterman, or C, Hagen Das? <laughs> so those were oh, Heinz man. Human, Max Musterman, or Hagen Das? <laughs> Should I go with the ice cream? Oh, <laughs> it's up to you, oh. man. <laughs> uh, no, what's the first one? The first one was Heinz Human. Let's go with that. Oh, unfortunately, there is no way to know this. Uh, it was Max Musterman. So imagine where we uh. would say John Doe. Germans say, it's true, Germans say Max Musterman. Uh, and it is not the ice cream. 
So I'll be listening to your next podcast. So I have to work in hot potato. Hot All potato. Right, I'll let you yep. know what episode is in. Okay. All right. <laughs> just I, you know, you could just be like, this next topic is a hot potato. Like it doesn't even. It'd be best if the guest doesn't even know what you're talking about, and they're like, did he just say hot potato? Yeah. This all last. Right, <laughs> all right. The last question is for all the marbles. If you get this wrong, I am banning you from my show, never to be asked on again. Okay. If you get it right, you're welcome back anytime. Your question okay. is question five. What are you currently optimistic about? Everything. That is a correct answer. We will accept everything. <laughs> uh, anything in particular? Oh man, it's just so many good things going on right now, man. Um, the podcast is doing well. Uh, just a lot of positive things. I've picked up some sponsors, some affiliates. So awesome! That's things great are really to hear. looking good. So good to hear, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Wise, uh, I look forward to having you on again sometime. I appreciate you coming on, man. No and problem. And I will send you. Um, I'll let you know. Every I think I have all your links and everything. So yeah, just let me know and. And so, tell yeah, so tell people it. one more time where they can find you. Oh, I'm on all major platforms. I'm on uh, Spotify, Apple, Google. It's stuck in my mind. Podcasts. I'm on yeah every single platform. So I'm now on Pandora as well. Fantastic. I finally got on Pandora. Good yeah. deal, man. All right. Well, uh, thanks again, and it's good to see you. We'll talk to you soon. That's all for this week. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a quick review of the podcast on iTunes along with a sentence or two. Writing a few words helps a ton to allow other people to find this podcast. Tune in next week to learn something new, if the internet says it's true. The Internet Says It's True would like to thank the Patreon subscribers whose monthly contributions put them at producer status. Sean Brown, Catherine Morgan, Taylor Hurt, Bryce Swanson, Mitch Joseph Kemplin, Alan Sakulik, Eugene Anderson, and Matt McVeigh. The show is written and produced by me, Michael Kent. The theme song is by Finite Music Forge, and additional music this week is from Patrick Patrickios and Air Prelude by Kevin McLeod, used under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 license. All audio clips in this episode are used for education and commentary and used under Fair Use Title 17 USC Section 107. You can listen to past episodes by searching for The Internet Says It's True wherever you get your podcasts, and you can see bonus content at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. <laughs>